0: Welcome to Inspire Churches podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com.
1: Well, this is the final installment of our summer series called TRL. How have you guys liked this series so far? It's been awesome, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this has been an amazing series, and for those of you that maybe this is your first time here, and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, uh, we spent the entire summer uh, doing a series called TRL, for those of you who remember the show from the 90s, and what we did was we put a question out to social media world, and we said, hey, if you could ask your pastor to speak on anything this Sunday, what would it be? And boy, we got responses in, and from those responses, we took some of the, top uh, requested, and then we brought them to the church, and you guys voted, and for the last seven Sundays, uh, we have been speaking on the topics that you have chosen, and uh, it's been fun, it's been challenging, um, it's uh, created moments, it's been controversial, it's allowed us to clarify, and today, uh, today's topic is no different. Um, today, we're actually speaking on mental health and faith mental health and faith. And today's topic was actually the second highest voted topic to speak on. And uh, I think here's why. You guys ready? Uh, Because uh, most Protestant pastors, in fact, 66%, seldom speak to their congregation about mental illness. Now, that's a surprise because nearly one in every five Americans over the age of 18 experience a diagnosable mental health disorder in any given year, one in five. And nearly half of that, actually 46.4%, will experience a mental health disorder in their lifetime. So, for many of you, this topic hits home. In fact, for me, this topic hits home. Uh, My mother was one of 5.3 million adults here in the United States who suffered with bipolar. And so uh, I know what it is to have someone that you love and that you care about uh, struggle in this way. But it also hits home because as a pastor of this church, I have formed relationships with many of you. We've had dialogue, uh, in fact, uh, and and, uh, I've only been here for, uh, I think it's seven months now. Uh, Beyond that, you guys have had great relationships with uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Phil, and we know that uh, for many of you, uh, this is also an area of struggle for you as well. And so from a shepherd standpoint, someone that God has called to help love and care for this church, this topic is near and dear. And so I want to start off by just really kind of clearing the air with some things. This topic is complex, and so in no way in, you know, 40 minutes are we going to be able to cover everything about mental health, Um, and so this won't be exhaustive. Also, I need you to know that most of the material that was used for this message today comes from studying hours of other men's and women's work that is far more qualified in this area than I am. Um, And excuse the technical difficulties, but I did have some resource books uh, on the screen to show you. Um, We will make sure to post those on the church website um, today, so that way you can go there and be able to, to get those resources. Um, Oh, there they are. Uh, And so, listen, if you want to check out a couple books, here's some awesome ones. Uh, Darkness is My Only Companion and A Grace for the Afflicted. Um, Those resources are going to be great and excellent resources for you. Um, But again, uh, this came from uh, men and women that are just far more qualified than I am. But what I'm hoping to do this morning is achieve three things. Three things. And, that's, and the three things are this to reflect, to break, and to give. To reflect, to break, and to give. To reflect on the understanding of the theology of mental illness. To break the silence and stigmatisms that come with mental illness. And to give hope to what seems like a hopeless situation. All right? Big task. Uh, so we already prayed, but I'm just going to pray one more time. Heavenly Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Number one, the theology of mental illness. Um, so my wife, it was date night, and my wife and I were, uh, were trying to figure out where, you know, we wanted to uh, go to eat, and, and she, said, uh, she said, listen, I want you to take me to um, a restaurant where they prepare the food in front of you. And I said, okay. So I took her to Subway, and... Um, <laughs> I'm glad you find that funny. She didn't. She, <laughs> that's kind of where the argument started. <laughs> and, and, and listen, husbands, you know, husbands, uh, how many, you know, maybe this isn't your wife, but, but maybe this is, and you don't have to raise your hand. I understand you're in a safe place. You can just keep it down. But, but, you know, how many of you husbands know that there's a certain point in the argument that no matter what you say, you're wrong? You know what I'm talking about? Like, even if you apologize, it's wrong. Right? I am saying, like, baby, listen, I, I'm sorry for taking you to Subway. I didn't know you didn't like Subway, then I'm sorry. She's like, is that about Subway? What kind of apology is that? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> what is that? I mean, wh- why, why is that happening in marriage? Well, well listen, uh, one short answer is this, the fall, the fall. You say, what do you mean? This is what I mean. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says this, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people, because all have sinned, because all have sinned sinned. This verse is describing a doctrine called original sin. When Adam and Eve first sinned and, 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 they, and they ate of the forbidden fruit, they fell. This is called the fall of humanity. And from that point forward, everything was affected. Somebody say everything. That wasn't very good. Try it again. Somebody say Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything was affected. Everything. Everything became tainted. And and now our hearts crave for something that the universe cannot give us. Eternity. Because everything in this universe is the very opposite of that. Everything in this universe breaks down. Everything's depleting. Everything is decaying. Everything is disintegrating. Everything. Right? Everything. Everything. And we know this uh, physically, even in science, right, demonstrates to us that the universe is consistently expanding, and as it expands, it's breaking down, right? So trees and stars and planets, even our own bodies go through this. Some of you might be feeling that this morning. This is why we need things like medication and doctors and medical procedures and vitamins and exercise, right? Right? But we don't just need doctors for our physique, but we also need doctors for our psyche, right? Because this doesn't just happen physically, but it also happens relationally. Relationally, things fall apart. Professional relationships, friendships, even marriage, right? Listen, the fact is you have to work to have a healthy marriage. Left to its own it won't be healthy because it's morally decaying. And this is because the fall has consequences. The fall actually has moral consequences and natural consequences. Moral consequences are things like lying and stealing and cheating and selfishness and dishonesty and pride. That's moral consequences. Um, But it also has natural consequences. Natural consequences are things like decay and sickness and disease. In fact, look at 2 Corinthians 4.16. It says this, Yet therefore we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. He's speaking to Christians, and he's saying, listen, outwardly things are not going that great. We are wasting away, right? Our earthly lives are limited, and and eventually our bodies will fail us. And this also happens with our minds. This has impacted our minds as well as a natural consequence of the fall. So mental illness is a natural consequence of the fall of mankind, which leads to my second point, breaking the silence and stigmatism, breaking the silence and stigmatism. See, though mental illness finds its origin in original sin, because it's a natural result, it's not considered a sin to struggle with mental illness. In fact, here at Inspire, we do not believe that having mental illness is a sin. I'll say it again. Here at Inspire, we do not believe that having mental illness is a sin. You do not need to repent for having mental illness. You do not need to go before the Lord in prayer and say, God, I'm sorry that I struggle with this sort of mental illness. Because, listen, original sin's corruption is pervasive. The the fall resulted in death, and along with death came several natural consequences. For example, cancer and Alzheimer's, diabetes, pneumonia, cardiac arrest, learning disorders, autism, the flu, the common cold, allergies, and yes, mental disorders. It's all part of the consequence of the fall. And the reality is, is all humans are affected by Adam's first sin. All of us. We all possess the condition of original sin, and all of us are in de- uh, need of Jesus Christ. We're all in need of a Savior. Every person, all of us needs restoration. All of us needs healing. All of us needs Jesus. All of us needs Jesus. Look at someone next Say, I need Jesus too. I need Jesus too. I just Not just you, I need Jesus too. Some of you think the person sitting next to you needs Jesus more than you. No, 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 you need Jesus too. I need Jesus. All of us need Jesus. Can we agree on that, Inspire, that all of us need Jesus? Need Jesus. All of us need Jesus. Let me just explain what I'm not talking about today. What I'm not talking about are things like stress, or temporary feelings of sadness, because there's a difference between feeling sad and having clinical depression. There's a difference, okay? There, there, there's a difference between feeling you know, a, a little sad and having suicidal thoughts. There's a difference. There's a difference between just worrying about something and having a chemical imbalance in your brain that causes you to have clinical anxiety. There's a difference. So I'm not just talking about you had a bad day or you had a bad experience you know, uh, on the you know, uh, Great America or something, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about you feel sad because your favorite Netflix series ended, like, but that's not what we're talking about today because the truth of the matter is that if you are stressing out, if you are worrying all the time, that's not necessarily mental illness. That could just be sin. That could just be sin. That, that, that could ultimately be due to your lack of your trust in God. In fact, Pastor Rick Warren, whose son took his own life and he had to face mental illness head on, makes this distinction. And look what he says. He says this, worry is practical atheism. You're acting like there's no God and there are no promises in Scripture. Wow. That's very different. In other words, you can go through worry, you can go through stress, you can put your body through emotional and physical weakness due to disobedience and spiritual unhealth. That is possible, but that is very different than mental illness, very different. In fact, let me just give you a biblical example. There's a difference between uh, the man that was living in the cemetery that was cutting himself, possessed by demons in Mark chapter 5, that's one example of what disobedience and sin does, compared to the prophet of God, Elijah, who was wrestling with thoughts of suicide in 1 Kings 19. Difference. There's a Difference. And what I want you to know, and if this is your particular struggle this morning, what I want you to know is this, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Just like in John chapter 9, when they came across the blind man, remember this? And the disciples looked at him and said, hey, Jesus, is this man blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned? They gave Jesus two options. Hey, Jesus, I gotta be a. Or it got to be B, right? Either he's blind because, listen, he sinned or his parents sinned. Why is he blind? And Jesus said, neither. Jesus blew all categories out of the water. He took their framework and messed it up. He shook up their whole doctrine, and he said, it's neither. But he's blind to bring me glory. Wow. Think about that. Do you know what that means? You know what this means? It means that your struggle with mental illness does not automatically disqualify you. Did you hear me? Your struggle with mental illness does not automatically disqualify you. And, church, we need to repent of the stigmatism that we have placed on those who struggle with mental illness. We need to repent. Because for those of us who do not suffer with these challenges, we must be careful. We have to be careful because although many Christians know the trial of occasional anxiety or even occasional depressed feelings, people who are diagnosed with mental illness face a very unique challenge, extreme despair, even suicidal ideations. And so for those of us in the room that maybe this isn't our struggle, we, we have other struggles, but maybe this isn't our struggle And we're trying to wrap our minds around it. Listen to this. This is so powerful. This is so profound. Listen to what theologian and preacher Charles Spurgeon says. I'm going to read this quote. He says this, The mind can descend to lower than the body, for in it there are bottomless pits. The mind can descend lower than the body, for in it there are bottomless pits. The flesh can only bear a number of wounds and no more but the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over and over again each hour. The soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over and over again each hour. Wow, can you just let that sink in? Can you just keep that quote up there for a minute? Just let that sink in for a minute. The soul can bleed 10,000 ways and die over and over and over again each hour. If you're here today and this is your struggle, you need to know that you are not disqualified for the kingdom of Christ. You need to know that you are not disqualified for ministry. You're not disqualified for ministry. In fact, some of the heroes of our, of our faith struggled with mental uh, illness. Some of the heroes of our faith struggled with some of the very things that you're struggling with. For instance, King David was a cyclomatic, Jacob had impulse disorder. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah had depression. Tamar had past traumatic stress disorder, right? Think about it. I mean, when we talk about men and women in the Bible, and this is why I love the Bible, because the Bible does not cover up The Bible doesn't take Maybelline and and try to hide the spots. But but what the Bible does is the Bible becomes very real and and it deals with real issues and it shows not just successes, but struggles, not just triumphs, but failures. It doesn't just show crowns, but crosses. It It doesn't just show high peaks, but low valleys. It shows everything, everything. And it's not afraid to speak to the very hard things of life not afraid. You have to understand that if you struggle with mental illness, the Bible has something to say to you. And I want you to know that you're not alone. I want you to know it's not your fault. It's not your fault and you're not alone. Struggling with mental illness does not mean that you are less than, that you don't have enough faith that you are not as holy, that you are somehow farther from God than others. In fact, here at Inspire, not only do we believe that having mental illness is not a sin, but also we believe that having mental illness is not due to a lack of faith. Did you hear that? It's not due to a lack of faith. Well, maybe if I just conjured up enough faith and somehow, no, 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 it's not due to that right? In fact, check this out. I think people that struggle with mental illness, those of us in this room where this is your struggle, that you probably even have more faith than some of the rest of us. Because, because some of us doesn't know what it took to get here. They don't understand the struggle and the wrestle for what it took for you to sit in the seat that you're sitting in today. It's not a matter of waking up and the curling iron didn't work and the kids are trying not to eat their breakfast and you're trying to hurry up because you have to serve. No, 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 no. It's a matter of you didn't even want to get out of bed. It's a matter of you had to struggle just to even get out the door. It's a matter of driving down here, having to be around people and worship God and saying even though I'm going through this, my God is still greater. And even though everybody else doesn't understand and I feel alone and I feel like nobody can connect I'm still gonna come here and worship and listen and be a part of it you see they don't know the real fight the real fight the real fight the battle you see the battle it took because discipleship is forged by fire you have to understand that very often it is the afflicted and the one who goes through low valleys that actually finds themselves closer to Christ right Because you rely on him for your strength. For your strength is this man blind because of sin? No, Jesus said it's to bring me glory. The fact that you're sitting here this morning is bringing God glory. The fact that the fact that you walk through those doors, despite what you're going through, despite the battle that's going on in here, is bringing God glory. The fact that you raise your hands for worship, the fact that you say Amen, the fact that you give somebody a hug, regardless of your condition, is letting the devil know, Hey, listen, my condition and my circumstance does not define who I am, you see. But my God is the one, the one who never leaves me, the one who never forsakes me. He is the one that I love and that I lean on and that I trust in. The fact that you go to connect groups and prayer nights in the midst of your struggle brings him glory. Even though there are times where you're wondering, Lord, what is going on? And you feel like Job, where Job says, listen, I looked to the the west, and I couldn't find him. And I looked to the east, and I couldn't find him. And I looked to the north, and I didn't see him. And I looked to the south, and I didn't see him. But though he slay me, yet will I trust him, you see. And when I'm up, I trust him. And when I'm down, I trust him. You have to understand that for many people in this room, it was a battle just to get here. It was a battle just to get here. But listen, you cannot allow your condition and your circumstance to determine your faith. You cannot do that. You have to understand that when the archer goes to pull the bow, the reason the bow goes back so fast, the arrow goes back so far, is because he's about to release. You have to understand that when you look at architects and construction workers, the farther down they dig, the higher they're able to erect the building that they're trying to build. There are times in your life where you might not look around and you might not understand why it is that God has allowed you to go through what you're going through, but you can know and trust in Jesus Christ. Because what you have gone through probably would have stopped most people. Most of us would have given up by now. Most of us would have waving the white flag of defeat. Most of us would have stopped. Most of us would have turned away. Most of us would have walked away. We said, "No, I can't do this. I can't handle this." But listen, you're here this morning. You're here this morning. And God is with you. You're not cursed. You're not forsaken. But you are reflecting the very glory of Jesus Christ. The very glory of Jesus to bring the gospel to a dark world. In fact, Chris Miller, a pastor who fights with bipolar 2 disorder, says this. Listen to this quote. He says, in our 10 years of marriage, there have been some long and difficult nights But if you were to question me or my wife of our ability to lead based on those nights, he says, then you're an idiot. (laughs) He says, because those nights didn't break us, they made us. Those nights didn't break us, they made us. Listen, the people in our church who live with emotional pain and mental strain are not weaker than the rest of the congregation. They're not disqualified. They are stronger for the battles that they have won through Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And listen, Inspire needs you. Inspire needs you. This church needs your unique struggle and your unique perspective. And as you journey and as you progress through Christianity, we need you. We need you. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm progressing. Can I just say this? Just because your progress isn't obvious doesn't mean your faith isn't working. Just because your progress isn't obvious doesn't mean your faith isn't working. See, you need to understand that, listen, you, 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 it's not that you don't have enough faith. It's not that somehow you're farther from God. It's not that somehow you are less than or you are unqualified. It's not that uh, maybe if you just, you know, pray more or maybe if you just read more or maybe, maybe, you know, if you just believe God more. It's not any of those things. It's to bring him glory. It's to bring him glory. You see? I want you to reflect on the understanding of the theology of mental illness. This, 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 cause, this effect that happened from the fall. This is a natural effect. This isn't a moral one. This isn't a moral one. You don't need to ask for forgiveness. You don't need to repent. But you need to know you're not alone. You need to know you're not alone. Even in this room right now, you're not alone. See, because sometimes we walk through those doors and we have certain assumptions about people. We, we, we walk in, we sit, even now when you're looking at the person next to you or, or maybe the row across from you or someone, you know, three rows in front of you. And, and you think you know who they are and maybe you think you understand, you know, what they're going through. And, but, but trust me, you don't. You don't. And, and, and very often we categorize and we misjudge and we assume and we presume. And and what we don't know is this, is that you are not alone, but the very people that are sitting in this room next to you and around you that give you a hug and shake your hand and offer you donuts and coffee and, and greet you in the parking lot, the very people uh, that sing and serve and, and, and all of these things, I mean, they too, they too have struggles And for some of them, they have the same struggle as yours. In fact, I think it's interesting when we talk about struggles because what's fascinating is if I find out that you have the same struggle as I do, then all of a sudden I'm more gracious to you, aren't I? Like if we have the same struggle, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, um, you know, I don't judge you as quickly, I want to forgive you faster, I'm not offended, I can relate, you know what I mean? But, it, but if your struggle isn't different, is not different different than mine, then all of a sudden I judge, I'm quick to come to conclusions. Isn't that funny how we do that? Isn't it funny? I mean, it's the same thing like when we offend somebody. Like if you were the one that caused the offense, you want the person to forgive you like that, Right? Right? Like that, forgive me right away. I said sorry. You know, move on. Let's go. Right? But if they offend you, like, oh no, wait a minute. This is going to take a while. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny how, how we want grace to be distributed to us quickly, but we're slow to distribute it to others? We don't always understand and we don't always comprehend. But can I just say this that even if you don't understand and even if you don't comprehend, that the love of God can still saturate you so much that you can still be a vital part of ministry and of healing and of hope. Amen. That's what we're here for. That, that's why we're unique. That's why we're different. Because together, in the body of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, we are strong in Jesus. In Jesus. Reflect on the understanding of theology of mental illness. Break the silence and the stigmatisms that come with mental illness. I want to break that. Sometimes it's so funny. In fact, there's been there's been many occasions where um, somebody will want to serve in a certain area. You know, maybe they'll want to greet, maybe they'll want to do whatever. And and you know, they, they they find out. Oh well, you know, this person might not be qualified because they have this issue or they have that struggle. Let's not jump to that conclusion. Let's not jump to the conclusion that that oh well maybe they can come and they can sit during a sermon and they can hear a sermon and that and that listen that's how God's going to use them no listen friend that's not true at all that's not true at all God wants you to reflect his glory God wants you to spread his gospel God wants to use you mightily You are created in his image you know You have to remember that And though that's been tainted because of the fall we have hope Because what paradise was lost will then become paradise restored, and that really segues into the next uh, third point here for today, which is this: reflect on theology, break silence, and give hope into a hopeless situation. You might be saying, "Listen, what hope is there for me today? I mean, really, what what, what hope do I have if this is what I struggle with? How do I deal with my struggle in a gospel-centered way? Should I go to counseling?" Well, yes, you know, that, that could help, yes, sure. Should I surround myself with community? Yes, yes, that will definitely help, yep. Um, is taking medicine okay? Yes, throughout Scripture, we see how God's people use elements from the earth, such as leaves and figs and various things to assist in the healing process from physical elements. We see that like in Ezekiel chapter 47 or 1 Timothy chapter 5, Isaiah 38, Right? So taking medication in the midst of mental illness doesn't show a lack of faith. Did you hear that? Taking medication in the, in the midst of mental illness does not show a lack of faith in the ability of the Lord to sustain us through suffering. We, we need to get that out of our thing. Just because you take medication does not mean that you do not believe in Jesus Christ or his miracle working power. Rather, it may allow some people to experience God even more clearly. Wow. Good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In fact, um, some of the, one of the things that we're going to be doing on the Inspire website coming soon, and we'll, we'll give you more details on that, but we're going to have a resource link up there. And there we're going to have different articles, different books, different things that you can go through. And not just about this topic, but really about several of the topics that we've hit on throughout this series. And it's going to be a great thing, and so we'll let you know more about it. But there you'll be able to kind of maybe look into more detail about what it is that you are personally struggling with and, and, and how to be able to uh, read some things or, or get some uh, help and get some support. But listen, you can do all of that, and that, all that's great. I want you to do that, right? I want you to pray. You say, well, prayer help? Yes, prayer will help. Reading my Bible help? Yes, of course, that will help. We want you to do all that. And all those things are good, and all those things should be done. But can I suggest something that may be even just a little more radical? Is that okay? In fact, from talking to, to, to some of you and, and just from dealing with this in my own personal life with my mom and, and, and everything else, I know that sometimes the prayer can be this, Lord, can I just be normal? I'm like, God, can't I God, can't I just be normal? See, but, but watch this. When you read the Bible, you discover that what is normal, what is typical, is not the standard for God. Well, let me give you an example. Lying is very normal, but it's not legitimate. Faithless sex is very normal, but it's no benchmark in the Bible. Pride is as commonplace as the air that we breathe, and yet it's a terrible standard, Right? Listen, all sorts of things are normal and yet terrible. The Bible standard, check this out, is not normalcy. The Bible standard, the goal for Christianity, the goal for you as an individual in Christ is not to be normal. That's not the goal you say, well, what is the goal? Well, let me just show you. Look at what Apostle Paul says here in Philippians chapter 3, 8 through 9. He says this, for the sake of Christ, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that deepens my, uh, that I'm sorry, that depends on faith. See, Paul's driving passion is not, let me just be normal, but it's to be found in Christ and in his righteousness. That's the goal. That's the goal. See, one of the reasons psychiatrists argue so much about what's wrong with, with quote unquote troubled people is that they're measuring against the wrong standard of what's normal. The Bible calls us uh, to be the righteousness of Christ. Listen, people are not messed up if, because they are abnormal. We are messed up because of sin. That's why we're messed up, because of sin. That's why my wife and I were fighting about Subway and arguing about it. it it's sin, you see? It's the fall. It, it's the consequence of it. And this means that the the most significant problem people face is that they're far too normal. Did you hear that? They're far too normal. What people need is not more normalcy, but more righteousness. We need God. The Bible teaches that righteousness comes by faith. And in it is this understanding that you will come to know That the most troubled people among us need the gospel, have been embraced by faith, and they need that more than being normal. So the goal in life is not to be normal. Normal does not equal holiness. Normal does not equal stronger faith. Normal does not equal some sort of higher class uh, Christianity. Normalcy is not the goal, but to be found in Christ is. And listen, until you get this, no matter who you are, no matter what you struggle with, because we all struggle with something. Can we be clear with that? All of us struggle with something. All All of us struggle with something, right? But until we get this, then we're going to be running around trying to cover up imperfections and fill voids, and it will never be enough. It will never be enough. In fact, until Jesus is enough for you, no other person or thing will be. Until Jesus is enough. As I conclude this message this morning, and we kind of wrap some stuff up here. I just want to again, kind of say that look, we've we've reflected on the theology of mental illness. We've kind of broken the silence because this is a topic that most churches just aren't even talking about. Most churches don't even deal with it. In fact, it's funny because in the New Testament, well, what we see is we see there's this one there's this one pool with five, with five porches around it. And if people were sick, they they would put all the people there out of the city, out of the way, and they would just put them there and say, hey, here, go over here. We don't know how to deal with you. We're just going to push you aside. That is not what the church does. That is not what Inspire does. That is not what Jesus Christ does. Breaking the silence, breaking the stigmatism, and giving hope. What's our hope? What's our hope? Well, we actually have hope in the future, we have hope in the present, and we have hope in the gospel. Listen to our future hope. Look at this. Romans chapter eight, verse 18 says this. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will v- reveal to us later. What you're going through now, what you're suffering now, what you're, what you're journeying through now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to you later. We have a future hope that all things lost, all things tainted, all things broken is gonna be restored, is gonna be healed, is gonna be made new. That's the hope, that's the hope. And when we use the word hope, it doesn't mean hope like maybe it will happen, it's our hope because we're confident, we know that it will because God's promises are true. But we also have a present hope See, Paul, when he's writing these letters and, and, he's, and he's encouraging people and, 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 he, and, he, and he's correcting people and, he, and, he's, and he's sharing gospel with people, he himself also has his own struggle. In fact, the Bible says that, it describes it as a thorn in his flesh. And what's fascinating is the Bible never really tells us what it is it's just something that is eating at him, that is paining him, that is distressing him. And he is praying for the Lord to take it away. He's praying. He's saying, God, please take this. This is Paul we're talking about. And he's saying, listen, please, can you just get rid of it? I just, I just, I don't want to have to struggle with this anymore. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And look what, what how God responds to him in 2 Corinthians twelve nine. It says this, But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will not boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. I will boast all more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. My grace is sufficient. You need to know that. We also have hope in the gospel. Future hope, present hope, hope in the gospel. Colossians 3 verse 4 says this, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Do you see how hand in hand that goes? When Christ appears, you appear. You see that? When Christ appears, you appear. What does that mean? It means this. Listen, when Christ went to the cross and he died, he died in your name so you can live in his. That's what he did. In other words, he died in your identity, so you can now walk and live and breathe in his identity. You you are not defined by successes or struggles, but by a savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. So when things seem bleak, you need to know his grace is sufficient. When darkness surrounds you, you need to know His grace is sufficient. When, feel, when things feel like they're going backwards, you need to know His grace is sufficient. When the burdens grow greater, you need to know His grace is sufficient. When you're feeling alone and you feel like there's no one to call and no one to turn to, His grace is Is sufficient. You need to understand that when your heart cries, his grace is sufficient. When your mind is in turmoil, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. I'm going to end with this. It's a poem written by a lady who suffered both physically and mentally. And on her deathbed, she couldn't even write anymore. In fact, her body was surrounded with pillows because of the sores. She had various kinds of cancer. She struggled with clinical depression and anxiety. She had bipolar, and it was, it, it, was just, it, was, it was tough. It was tough. But she had this beautiful gift of writing. And so she asked her nurse that was sitting there if she could grab a pen and a paper and write these words. Just Listen. This is the last poem she wrote before she went to Jesus. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when his labors when, when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we have reached the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's forgiving is only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed His provision. Our God ever yearns His resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting availing. The Father both thee and thy load will abear. His love knows no limits. His grace knows no power. His, his, no, knows no measure. His power, no boundary, known under men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he gives and he gives and he gives again. From a woman who is in pain mentally and physically, he, she says this, his love knows no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he gives and he gives and he gives He gives and he gives and he gives again. Jesus doesn't promise that following him means you won't have storms. But what he does promise is following him means that he'll walk in the storm with you. Following Jesus doesn't mean that you won't go through fire, but following Jesus means that he promises that he'll walk through fire with you. Following Jesus doesn't mean that you won't go through floods, but his promise is that you won't go through that by yourself. He will be there because his grace is sufficient. Because he is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the one that loves you. He died for you. And everything that you go through, whether this is your struggle, whether you, whether you have a family member, that you're caring for, that you love, that you spend time with every day and maybe that's their struggle, just know this. Just know this. It's not your fault. You're not alone. And there's hope. It's not your fault. You're not alone. And there's hope. Can we stand to our feet, church? to God, and and this this is my prayer, is is this, is, is, you have to understand that sometimes we don't always see God, we don't always sense God, we don't always feel God, but you need to know that He is always working on our behalf. The Bible says that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. All things, all things. All things work together not just not just days that feel good not just moments that are great but all things work together even your depression even your anxiety even your PSD all things work together for the good of those and he is working even when you don't see him even when you don't sense him he is working even when you feel like there's no one to turn to and no one to talk to he is working even if this might be the thorn in the flesh And this might be something that you struggle with until eternity, and we're there face-to-face with Jesus when all things are restored and all things are renewed. He is working, and his grace is sufficient. Can we just worship?
0: Look, if you're in this room today, and you don't have Christ, and you're not in Christ, it's hopeless. It's impossible. There's no way you could face tomorrow. Whether you're dealing with mental illness or not, we are all in need of Christ. And so right now, if you're here today and you're saying, yes, I want hope. Yes, I need an anchor for my soul. Yes, I need something that I can lean on that's stronger than my husband, that's stronger than my wife, that's stronger than my family. I need something that I can hold on to or that will hold on to me even when I let go. And it's only can be found in Christ, in Christ, in Christ alone, in Christ alone. So Heavenly Father, I just pray right now, if there's anyone in this room that's not in Christ, that that's the first thing the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you, put your faith, your hope, your trust, your joy, your peace in Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're thinking, I don't know how to put my faith in Christ, let me just simply offer you an instruction. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. So right now we repent of our sins. We repent of our sins. We repent of all the things in our lives that have fallen short, all the words of Scripture that we don't believe. We repent. We repent of our pride, our selfishness. We repent of trying to make it work through all other methods, but not in Christ. But not only do we repent, we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Will you just, just take this moment. I believe that Christ has died on my behalf. I believe that Christ has led a perfect life on my behalf. I believe that Christ is Lord, that He is King, that He is God, I believe that when he hung on that tree and he suffered, that he took the wrath of God that I deserve, that if I would put my life in Christ, if I would put my faith in Christ, that I'd be forgiven, and that I'd have new life, new birth, that I'd be born again, that I may be found in Jesus. And for those of you in this room that are found in Christ, there is a hope. There is a hope. He is making all things new, and we look forward, we look forward to that, and in the meantime, we recognize that our discipleship is forged in fire, forged by fire, that even our suffering is being worked out inside of us to glorify God. So I pray, Holy Spirit, will you strengthen us, will you give us a spirit of endurance, So that we may be found in Christ alone. And we stand on that rock. And we ask these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspired Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspired Churches through Instagram at Inspired Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirechurches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.